Now, A.W. Tozer says something that's going to kickstart where we're going to go tonight. And A.W. Tozer says this, What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Now, I told this to you all a few weeks ago, but it's actually going to play into tonight very well. Because tonight we're going to talk about rules. Crazy, right? Like, who would have ever guessed we talk about rules, right? We're going to talk about rules. And the thing that I want us to understand is that quote. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Now, as a generality, I'm going to assume that all of us don't like rules. I'm just going to assume that about you, that you don't like rules. That we'd rather live on our own, that we're not going to talk about rules. We don't want to do that. And there are probably some of you that just heard me say we're going to talk about rules tonight, and you're like, sweet mercy, here we go. Another person telling me what I can and can't do. Bye-bye. Right? Like That's what we feel like. And I know that to be true because of something that my wife and I do. Um, we, we serve each other because we're married. And whenever we do that, we do it in, 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 in easy ways, even around the house, like this. I'll be sitting on the couch, and then she'll be in the kitchen, and I'll say, hey, babe, can you bring me a cup of water? And she'll say, don't tell me what to do. You're not the boss of me. And I'm like, wait, <laughs> what? Okay. So then I start to do it, and she's like, hey, will you put the dishes up? You're not the boss of me. Don't tell me what to do. Like, it's this fun thing. Now, we always end up doing it because I love my wife and I serve her, but it's this fun thing that even has evolved into this, like, you don't tell me. Uh-uh. Now, that's our fun way of doing it, but the truth is, under the surface, we really don't, we, we really don't like being told what to do. Does anyone in here just enjoy, just absolutely love when someone's like, hey, go do this? Anyone enjoy that? Right, like basically no one. We don't like that. We don't like rules. We don't like boundaries because here's why. We think that rules will limit us. We think that when we talk about rules and there needs to be boundaries and guidelines in your life, that that really means that you're not going to be able to have much fun. It's not going to be as enjoyable for you. But if we're honest and if we really think about it, rules are many times necessary and good in our life. Here's an easy example to know this. Sports. Sweet mercy. How many times have you ever seen the funny videos of a kid who knocks one into the outfield and then runs straight to third base? Okay, it's embarrassing for the kid when he grows older and realizes, oops, I did that. But it's also not how you play the game. See, this is why we have officials. They're there to make sure the rules of the game happen like 80% of the time. Because <laughs> when Georgia does something wrong, they're not right. But all other times, it's, it's basically right. And you know what I wish? Is that we could have officials and refs for more than just sports. Um, because there are some times we just need to know what's right and what's wrong, like in social media. Um, if I could have an official, just actually not an official, if I could just have a yellow flag that every time I saw something dumb on Instagram or Twitter, I could throw it through the screen, hit you in the face and knock you out so you'd never do it again, I would be a happier person. I would enjoy my life more. Now, see, there are just rules that we need to understand on social media. There are things that you do and things that you don't do. And it makes me so mad when I see the same thing over and over. Like, listen, you're cryptically telling him a message that all of us are seeing. And he doesn't, like, come on, just make a phone call and ask him out. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not for me to know. There are just rules of things you don't do. And because I love you, because I get to lead you, and this is a lot of fun, I want to make sure that you're not those people. So I actually want to show you a video called Things You Don't Do on Twitter. Take a look. <laughs> now, 
What I was going to show you was a funny video from these guys named Tripp and Tyler that explained the rules of Twitter and how so many times we do them wrong. And we just operate on social media in a wrong way. And so a lot of times in life what we need to understand is that rules are necessary, rules are good. We see it in sports. We need to see it in social media. We see it in our life. We see it in school. It's all around us. Sometimes rules are necessary. So here's my question off of that. Who is determining your rules? Actually, I want all of you to write that down in your notes. you got two little blank spaces, and right above that, underneath the, the title, I want you to write down, Who is determining my rules? And if you want to, you can turn to the person next to you and say, Hey, write that down. And then that person can look at you and say, Hey, you're not the boss of me. Don't tell me what to do. <laughs> Who is determining your rules? It's a question I want to figure out tonight. Because I would say that as you answer this, it's going to be mainly in one of three places. Is it God? Is it someone else? Or is it you? Who is determining your rules? And if you actually ask yourself that question, largely your answer will come from what it is that you believe about God. So like A.W. Tozer said, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. And for many of us, when we think about God, we have a skewed vision of him because we think of him as this like supernatural spiritual judge that the moment we do something wrong is going to send hellfire and meteors down to tell us how bad we are and we're going straight to hell. There's this judgment mentality, this punishment mentality that we think of when we think of God. And sometimes it can mean that, that we think, even in a funny sense, he kind of acts like this. So I'm going to ask first, do we have the next video? The Dwight video? Is that one there? No, I'm... <laughs> Whose guitar is this? <laughs> Sorry, Georgie, Savannah, whoever. All right. Rule 17. Don't turn your back on bears, men you have wronged, or the dominant turkey during mating season. There are 40 rules all shrewd boys must learn before the age of five. Learn your rules. You better learn your rules. If you don't, you'll be eaten in your sleep. <laughs> Rule 17. Don't turn your back on bears, men you have wronged, or the dominant turkey during mating season. Just to make sure you got it. There are it. 40 rules all shrewd boys must learn before the age of five. Learn your rules. You better learn your rules. If you don't, you'll be eaten in your sleep. <laughs> Rule 17. All right, that's it. That's enough. That's enough. Now, I don't know if y'all like The Office. I may have dated myself by saying I love The Office, but anything Dwight does, I think, is funny. And here's the deal. A lot of times we can think of God in the exact same way, that if we don't learn our rules and follow the Ten Commandments and do everything as we should, then God hates us, and he's going to punish us. And there's all this judgment coming down on us. And what I want you to hear tonight is that that's not the heart of God. Now, yes, God is just. And yes, there's punishment needed for sin. But the great news is that Jesus offers to take every bit of punishment that you deserve for your sin. And he'll do it freely if you would just love him. If you would ask for forgiveness from him. If you would trust in him. You trust and obey him, all the punishment goes away. And so now it changes your view of God. He's no longer one of the Dwight Schrute monsters that will eat you in your sleep. Now he becomes this loving God that desires the best possible life for you. And we know that he offers the best possible life and he desires this for you because of what Jesus says in John 10.10. 10. Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have life to the full. 
I've come that they may have life and have it to the what? To the full. He wants you to have the best possible life. And I think many of you in the room would say, you know what, I believe that. I do believe that. Some of you aren't really sure what that really means, and you're not really sure that you believe God, and you're not really sure that you believe what Jesus said. But for every one of you in the room, I want you to think about that statement that Jesus makes. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And then I want you to ask yourself the exact same question you did just a few minutes ago. Who is determining your rules? Who's determining what the best life is for you? Who's determining how to get ahead? Who's determining what to do in life? What's right and what's wrong? Is it God? Is it someone else? Or is it you? And I would argue that there are three primary places that your rules could come from. And all of them are determined by the culture that you live in. So let's talk about the culture that we live in. Ravi Zacharias is a guy who is far smarter than I will probably ever be. He's probably forgotten more in the last day than I have learned in 29 years, okay? This dude's a genius. And the way he talks is so brilliant. And he started to talk and answer someone's question about things happening in our culture. And in order to answer their question, he talked about the kinds of culture that we live in. And he said, across the world, you are only going to find three kinds of culture. There are three different types. The first one is a theonomous culture. Theonomous. Theos, meaning God. Onomous, meaning law. Theonomous. A theonomous culture. And this would mean that the culture is determined, largely the culture, everyone in it, and what is right and wrong, the moral law of what you should do, is determined from God. From someone beyond all of us, there is a natural joint understanding that God is determining the law that we live in, the right and moral wrong. That's a theonomous culture. Now let me ask you a question. Do we live in a theonomous culture? No. The next type of culture is a heteronomous culture. Hetero meaning other, onomous meaning law. That there is a, someone else determining what the law is and how you should act for everyone else. You see this a lot of times in some Islam cultures or Muslim cultures. You see this sometimes in some of the ancient Near Eastern cultures. You even see this to an extent if you skew it a little bit in the Roman Catholic Church. There is one person, this is a tribal mentality, one person telling what everyone else is supposed to do and how they should live because God spoke to them and so you understand this or because they know the truth and, you, and they know more than you and they're going to tell you how to live. That's a heteronymous culture. Do we live in a heteronymous culture? No. No, because you're not the boss. You don't tell me what to do, right? So if we don't live in a theonymous culture, we don't live in a heteronymous culture, then the only culture left is an autonomous culture. And that would auto self-onomous law. Self-law. The person determining the rules of what is right and wrong and best for everyone in the world, especially in our culture of America, is you. You individually determine what is right and wrong. You individually determine what is morally correct and what is morally wrong. You individually determine what is best and what is not, what is good and what is evil. This is what we're seeing play out currently in the culture with the homosexual debate, with the LGBT community and everything happening about that now and, and homosexual marriage becoming legalized. At the end of the day, the question that was asked to Rabbi Zacharias had to do with that question, had to do with that debate. And he answered it by talking about our culture. Because here's what happens. 
When you live in a society where everyone, an autonomous society, where everyone comes up with their own version of right and wrong and best and bad, here's what happens. I determine what I think, I think, is right or wrong. And if you determine that that exact same thing is the opposite of it. So I say that something's good and you say that something's bad. In an autonomous culture, the two of those things cannot coexist because I believe this is right and so I need to make sure that you believe what I believe is right and so now the fight begins. But the moment you start doing that, you move from an autonomous culture to a heteronymous culture because I'm telling you what's right and wrong. Those two cultures will fall on themselves. This is the current landscape of where we live. And so I'll ask you again, who determines your rules? If you think that you can determine your own rules, you are in for a world of hurt. Because all you're going to do is try to display what you believe as right and wrong on other people. And then all they're going to do is display what they believe is right and wrong on you. And fights and tension and dissension begin to rise. And this is how our country and our culture continues to go in the path that it's going. See, there is absolute truth that we know in the world, and it stems from a certain place. And guess what? It doesn't stem from you. Because, like I told you a few months ago, right is right, even if no one else is doing it. And wrong is wrong, even if everyone else is doing it. So who determines your rules? Now, I believe that the best possible way to live is what Jesus tells us. It's by honoring God. It's by following him, by trusting in him and obeying him. The theonomous culture would be the best way to experience life because God is the one determining the rules for which we live. Now, here's what I want you to go a step deeper with. Why is it that we should trust God to determine our rules? Why do we need rules in the first place? Well, we've already established that without rules, it would be pure anarchy and chaos, and that would not be a world that you want to live in. But in the theonomous culture, in the personal decision to say, God, I'm going to let you determine my rules, why should we let him do that? Why is that? And I think that he gives us an answer to this in the Bible. He shows us why we can trust his heart for the rules that he wants to give us, the parameters that he wants to lay in our life, the boundaries that he wants to set about how to live life best. And it comes in the, chat, in, in the book of Exodus when we talk about and see the nature of, of God and the people, his people in Israel. And in Exodus chapter 19, if you want to turn in your Bibles, you can also follow along screen in just a second, but turn to page 74 in the Bible under your chair. We're also going to turn to Exodus 19 if you have your own Bible. Second book in the Bible, 19th chapter, Exodus 19. Now, Exodus is the story of the Israelites being enslaved and then getting out of slavery and establishing their own land. And he does this through the redeeming work and the, and the shepherding work and the, the exodus, if you will, that Moses leads as he leads them out of it. And so in Exodus chapter 19, what we see is that God is talking to Moses, telling him, tell, I want you to tell everybody, Moses, to remember what I've done. You were enslaved in Egypt for hundreds of years, and everything was bad for you, and you cried out to me to free you, and I did. I freed you from that slavery, and I've brought you now into this wilderness to take you towards the promised land that I will give you. 
And you will be my people, and I will be your God, and this is going to be so much better because I am for you. And he's telling this in Exodus 19. I freed you from slavery. Now let's look at Exodus chapter 20 and look at the timeline of how things happen. Exodus 20, starting in verse 1. This is the chapter where we first see the Ten Commandments. How many of you ever heard of the Ten Commandments? Right, you've grown up in the South, you've heard of the Ten Commandments. Let's just call it what it is. This is the first guideline set of rules that we see God give to his people. He's giving them rules, the Ten Commandments. But start in verse 1. And God spoke all these words to all of Israel. Verse 2. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You can see it up here. I'm going to read it one more time for you to follow along. God says at the beginning of chapter 20, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of what? Of slavery. God brought them out of the land of slavery. I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Then you start to continue in verse 3. Just listen in as I read. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will, hold, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Now, you can go through the rest of chapter 20, and he's giving them the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments that you learned when you were in vacation Bible school, this is where it happens from. But before he gave them the Ten Commandments, go back, put it on the screen. What did he say in verse 20? I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Here's the first point you need to write down that you need to understand about the heart of God and why he gives us rules. God gave freedom before he gave rules. Look at the timeline. God freed Israel from slavery before he ever gave them rules. And why would he free them from slavery to bring them back into further slavery with more rules? He didn't free them to make them slaves again. So when you think about the rules, you can think that it can enslave you and limit you and keep you from doing what you want to do. Or you can understand in the timeline of God's story, God gave freedom before he gave rules. On Tuesday, PK taught this to the staff, this element of that timeline, and it blew my mind. I never thought of God's character and of his heart in that capacity. God gave freedom to Israel before he ever gave them rules. He wanted first, he wanted them to be free. And then what we see afterwards, continuing on through the story of Exodus, continuing on through the story of the Bible, continuing on into the messages that Jesus gives us in the New Testament, is that God gave freedom before he gave rules. And the second thing you need to write down is that God gives rules to give greater freedom. God gave freedom before he gave rules, but God gives freedom God gives rules to give greater freedom. Jesus says, I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. Do you believe that? 
Because if you do, the way that you have that then is to trust him and to obey him. And when you choose to live a life filled with sin, you're not obeying him. And you can think that God is trying to keep you from experiencing something great because of these rules he's laid out about how you follow him. But what you need to understand is God doesn't want to give you rules to enslave you to anything. He wants to give you rules to give you greater freedom. Listen, I want you to have the best possible life. Here's how you do it. And then the Ten Commandments is what he shows them of how to live the best possible life. Now, can we ever live out fully the Ten Commandments? No. We could play a fun game in here that I probably played 18 times when I was in middle school. How many Ten Commandments have you broken, right? I got eight. I got seven. I win. Like that whole game. It has nothing to do with living out those rules then. It becomes a guideline for how you live. It's not a checklist and you can earn God's love if you do this and do this and do this and do this and do this. No, no, no. God wants to give you freedom before he ever gives you rules. And the way he does that is through Jesus. Because Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. So who determines your rules? Who's the one determining how you should live life? Who is the authority in your world saying this is right and this is wrong? I know that you want to go over there and sleep with them. I, like, I get that you want to do it. You're an 18, 19, 20, 21-year-old person. Of course you do. But just because you want to do it, are you going to allow yourself to create the rules of how you should live and how you should act? Are you going to follow God's rules? This one will fall upon itself, and it leads to death. This one leads to life. Who determines your rules? Now let's go back to the very beginning. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. If you came in here tonight thinking that God is not for you, that he is an angry God and you are a sinner and he's going to punish you one day, I am challenging you to change the trajectory of how you look at God. God wants to give you freedom before he ever wants to give you rules. And then once he gives you that freedom, once he gives you that life, he wants to give you some rules so you can have even greater freedom. He is for you. He loves you. He offers freedom in every possible way through the work of Jesus. You just got to trust him. But if you're making your own rules, are you really trusting him? Who determines your rules? Where has God made a rule And you've been breaking it. You may not even know the Bible. But there is a moral compass written into every single one of you to understand. What I'm doing is not right. Where has God made a rule and you've been breaking it? And who determines the rules of your life? You get to wrestle that down. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you that you are loving. I thank you that your grace abounds and that there's nothing we can do to ever disappoint you. Father, we can't disappoint you. Because if we could disappoint you, it would mean that your view of us could be lessened. And if it could be lessened, then it could be improved. And that would mean that you are not perfect. 
Father, we can never disappoint you. We are not disappointments to you. Your love for us is fixed. And in the exact same way that we can't disappoint God, we can't ever make you love us anymore. You love us as much as we will ever experience right now. So Father, I pray that for the person that came in here tonight with the misconception, with the misguided view of of you, Father, I pray that you'd right-size that and that you would allow us to, to learn who you are and that you would change how we would answer that question of what comes to mind when we think about you. Because God, that is the most important thing about us. Father, I pray that every person in this place would take ownership of their world. They take ownership, Father, of this, of this talk, of this, of this lesson, of understanding that, that the best life comes whenever we live according to how you desire us to live. Because God, when we take ownership of that, we're going to find further maturity and you're going to grow us up. And Father, my prayer over this room and over these people is that you would grow them up in wisdom and stature and in favor with both God and with men, just like you did, Jesus. So God, I thank you for the grace that you love us so much, that you save us exactly as you found us, but you love us too much to leave us as you found us. So grow us up in faith. Grow us up in our view of you. Continue to allow us to learn what it means to follow, to trust, and to obey. God, I thank you for this message, for this truth. And I pray that you would run further with it than my words ever could. So embed it inside of our hearts and continue to be relentless in pursuing us and pushing us back in this moment. Who defines and who determines our rules? God, I pray that it would be you and that we would be a people that obey you and trust in you because you love us. So give us freedom. And may we have every greater freedom when we start to live out your rules. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.